0: What sweeter music can we bring? Whether you're here this evening or in the sanctuary joining us online, we are so pleased that you are here for Christmas as we join with those who worship this night all over the world, including those who can't find a place to worship or a place of safety. Our scripture lesson tonight is from The Gospel of Luke, his version of the Christmas story. Listen for the word of God. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all in the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered, Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, when they saw this, they made known what, they had been, what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. Christmas is the refreshing of the world, an interruption. It is literally the celebration of the recreation of the world. When the infant Christ is born into the world, the world is born again in the infant Christ. How's that for getting right to it? Too much? Too soon? Okay, let me take a step back and ease in a little bit. It's good that you are here tonight. It truly is. And I'll guess, I'll guess that there is still probably a a lot swirling around your coming tonight. I mean, you had to make a decision to come, you had to decide which service five eight or ten you had to sort out what to wear you got clothes on the kids if you have kids and you wiped faces if you needed to you remember to charge up your car if you charge up your car or put gas in it if you're old school maybe you still have presents to wrap or you're still planning your christmas dinner tomorrow or thinking about who won't be at your christmas table or whose table you won't be at this year Maybe you're remembering things left undone at work or school. Maybe you're happy, celebrating a recent graduation or finishing exams or a trip you're leaving on tomorrow morning. Maybe it's your first Christmas with someone special. Maybe it's the first Christmas you find yourself really thinking about what the Christmas story is and what it means. Or the first Christmas you're kind of doubting it all. Maybe you're here out of habit. Or maybe you couldn't wait to get in the door. Maybe you're distracted by what's happening in the world. And even wondering why we are celebrating so beautifully and so joyfully in Scottsdale when in the Palestinian city where Jesus was born, Bethlehem, public celebrations of Christmas have been canceled because of the war just a few miles away in Gaza and all of the ongoing deaths. Or maybe you're just relieved because you've heard enough renditions of Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree and you're ready to just move things along. I've been somewhere in the middle of all of that myself, thinking more about getting all the details for all of these church services and events right, and less about the meaning and power of the events that all of this is meant to help us remember. So you see, I was fertile ground for the words that I started the sermon with tonight. They're part of a longer insistence by a writer named Nathan Beacom in an article he wrote about a Christmas poem that moved him. Here is more of what he says. Christmas is the refreshing of the world, an interruption of aging and cynicism and habit that shakes off the dust and cobwebs of our many years and presents the world to us newborn in the swaddling clothes of infancy. After Christmas, we will not need to search for novelty. It is literally the celebration of the recreation of the world. When the infant Christ is born into the world, the world is born again in the infant Christ. This is because when God became man, human, God joined God's self fully to our world, filling every ordinary thing with divinity and making each thing new. That's a lot. But it's to the point. Like the story it's reacting to, Christmas wants to wiggle its way through our distractions. Christmas wants to change our view of things. Christmas wants us to always know that worn out ways of power and judgment and living can be interrupted and the world can be refreshed. It's all right there in the story. Worn out ways of wielding power, many that are still with us today are shamed by the events of Christmas. An old empire slouching around in its tyranny, thinking that it can really rule Palestine if it can just get enough soldiers on the ground and find the right way to keep the natives in check. If you can just count on count everybody correctly, and tax the working poor to fill the coffers of the powerful and keep the Roman buses running on time. And the usual ways of opposing that kind of power through rumors of insurrection and grumblings of rage, they are worn out too, as is the empire's standard issue, violence and control to control things doing more harm than good in the name of keeping things comfortable for folks who don't want to hear the cries of a young mother looking for a place to have her child. Old ways of doing religion, too, with worn-out theologies that keep God distant and trap God in behind too many rules and too much politics. To these worn-out ways of power, Christmas tells of a different kind of peace. Christmas tells of a peace that is born in a hidden place. Where simpler folk with a deeper view tenderly wrap a newborn and accept the comfort of angels. Where Herod, up in his castle, is finally no threat to love because acts of love are more powerful and more real than any of those moves of power the world stakes its reality on. With the story of Christmas, God can refresh our battle-weary souls, and God can let us build a peace that is managed from a manger, not a war room. No more old debates, no more old qualifications, no more tired compromises. Christmas shakes off the dust and cobwebs of our many years and presents the world to us newborn in the cry of every child of God who needs care and is capable of caring, who begs for love and is capable of love. And so the story also upsets our worn-out ways of judging. We know we need to name things for what they are, and we need to do that carefully. We do. It's foolish to say that we shouldn't judge at all, or say that there's no difference between right and wrong. There is. But in the center of Christmas is a chance to be surprised refreshed by curiosity and welcome and ready to learn more, to let the angels speak to us in our hearts, to be more open to God than we're taught we're supposed to be, to be more tolerant of other people than the lines the world draws tells us we should be, to look again. People tell tell lies about the child that Mary carries, and they point fingers at her, but she bears her child with strength and grace. Joseph, tempted to shirk his responsibilities, is also stirred within. He stands up, he accepts his role, and with his own share of strength and grace, he makes a way for the Holy Family. While others are distracted, shepherds, dirty from long nights in the field, are welcomed into the room with Mary and Joseph. And in part of the story that's not read tonight, but that you probably know, strangers from foreign land called wise men set out for Bethlehem on a hunch with questions about this baby that few were asking. Herod tries to play the wise men for fools, but Mary and Joseph welcome them and receive their gifts. So throw away the rule book, friends. This story upsets the apple cart. It asks us to welcome God, and it asks us to imagine something that we don't completely understand, but that we can see in ways the kinds of people who too often we too often ignore, become very, very important. And so what about those extras in the story, those shepherds in the fields or those strangers from the East? Can we see a little bit of ourselves in them too? I think we can. For just as worn-out ways of power and worn-out ways of judging are called into account by Christmas and fresh views are put on offer to us, so also are worn-out ways of living and worn-out habits that tempt us to give up or give in or miss the point. Consider those shepherds again. They're on my mind tonight. I think they needed the angel to shake them up so they could see a bigger world. I mean, there they were, content with their lot, expected to sleep on stones and stay in their place, second-class workers, unworthy of angels and unfit for glory, and God sends them a message, wake up, get up, Go, find. But the angel, telling them to get up and go, had to first calm them down. Don't forget that part. For like Mary and like Joseph, the shepherds had to get over their fear to say yes to the possibility that God is alive And that there are new things to see. And that that first place to look is a simple place. And so do we sometimes. When they get over their fear and go, the shepherds find their place and they're given a new voice. They're told to go and speak. Their lives forever change. That happens for the wise men, too. Professors, spending all of their time trying to leverage the secrets of the universe, like the prognosticators and the technologists and the experts and the pundits of today. But they get a bead on something that is more important than all that they had relied on. They don't know much about it, but they know that it is important enough to follow. So they say yes, through intrigue and discouragement, getting lost and getting found and humbling themselves. And like the shepherds, they also go home awake, aware, and with news to share. Christmas says that your life can be interrupted by good news, too. And refreshed. Whether you're 27 or 87, whether you're out in a field with the shepherds or finding your way in a foreign land, you too can be touched by the divine. But first, like the angels say, don't be afraid. And so I think it comes down to this to warn out visions of power. Christmas reminds us that there is a peace on offer to us that's different than what power tries to impose. And to warn out ways of judging people, Christmas reminds us that there is a way of life on offer to us that is loving and human and welcoming. And to worn out ways of resigning ourselves to life. Christmas reminds us that it is still possible to say yes to joy, to say yes to change, to say yes to living with a purpose inspired by Jesus and reassured by his spirit. Christ is born and the world is born, reborn, with him, offering that new kind of peace, spying that new kind of welcome, inviting that new kind of yes. All this because when God became human, God joined God's self fully to our world, filling every ordinary thing with divinity and making each thing new. So find these things in your heart. Invite these things into your home. Try them out in your work. Take them with you into the gilded halls of power. Notice them in the simpler places of grittier need and let them help you do some good. Bring them to church to be reminded again This baby is born to recreate the world. Merry Christmas, friends. There are places in the world that are dark, in need of light. There are places in the world that are so full of light that we need to tone them down a little bit to remember the flame. There are places in our hearts that beg to be warmed. There are places in our relationships with others that desire new heart and new fire, and new possibility. There are candles in our hands, symbols of that fire, symbols of that possibility. And so we light them tonight. We let the light spread through this sanctuary and from this sanctuary, we take this fire of spirit into the world to celebrate Christmas every day. Flame will be taken down the aisles and given to each person on each end of the pew. Do remember to hold your candle when it is lit straight, and then the person next to you will light their candle to the side so you won't be dripping wax on yourself. And we will sing together in celebration.